the words of Paul in the book of Philippians. And he said this, I want to know Christ. Yes, you know the power of his resurrection and the participation of his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Can we pray? Dear Lord, it is our prayer. It is our desire to be like Christ. Whether it is to know him in the fellowship of his suffering or in the power of his resurrection or both those together or whatever combination you want, Lord, we want to be like you. And we want to be used by you. And we want you to be glorified. And we want your work to be furthered. And we want your name to be exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm thankful that the pastor, Pastor Dan, and the elders have given me this opportunity to preach to you. I love to preach, actually. And we're going to talk about church works. Now, actually, this is a great title, because it's not only a title, but it's a response. Church works. Church works. Can you say that with me? Church works. Church works. It does. And uh, Paul, in the book of Ephesians, lays out for us this is about the church. And I just want to read those that passage, this is Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him. Who is the head? That is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and is built up in love as each part does its work. Now, I love the church. I really, really do. 
And uh, I realize that this picture is not really a good picture for the church. The church is no machine. I just like that picture. I think I, I think it's a good picture. It was actually what I had in mind, and it, it actually showed up in Google Images, and so I put it in there. No, the church is uh, more organic. You know, I actually chose this template because they call it organic. Does that look organic to you? Well, it is. So the the body is organic, and I'll go into that a little later. But the body is also the body of Christ, right? And the church is the body of Christ. It is also the community or the family of God. And it is also the bride of Christ. So I want to talk today about church works at Oak Hill. And uh, church works at Oak Hill because three things. Oak Hill as leaders, Oak Hill as gifted workers, Oak Hill has supernatural power. Now, we had a number of people that were of our church here last night since we had this dedication. It was actually a pretty big service for the Saturday night. So I, I do, for the people online, want you to realize these words are from Ephesians. These are Paul's words to the churches and to the church. So even if I am saying, okay, you can think of whatever church you're a part of, that these things apply. But I want to focus in on Oak Hill. First of all, Oak Hill has leaders. Now, here it talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor and teachers. Now, the book of Ephesus is not just to the local church. It, it is Things for the church. And, and so, I don't believe that every church has apostles. I don't believe every church has prophets. I don't believe every church has evangelists. But I do believe that every church has a pastor, teacher. And we have one. This guy. Pastor Dan Eloise. And he's a good pastor, teacher, isn't he? He's a real good pastor teacher. The picture I got, the only way I got that was my wife. So thank her. You know, or you wouldn't have a picture, Dan. I'm sorry. The other thing I want to tell you about is we have elders. You know, we have elders in this church. And uh, though Paul doesn't mention it right here, he doesn't mention even in the book of Acts, he talks about when he was on his way, believing that you know, there's hardship and prison and things. And he's on the way to, to Rome. He, he bypasses Ephesus, but the Ephesian elders go and meet him on the beach and pray with them. So there's elders in the church. Some churches in their, their government call different things. In the Baptists, they call deacons in the Presbyterians. I think they had a couple levels. They got presbyters and they got, uh, uh, I think they have elders. But what I'm saying is that there are God's leaders for his church. 
And we have Pastor Dan and we have the elders, and that's great. And we also have a good head elder with Todd Hughes, who's our head elder now. Now, he's not going to like this illustration, but, you know, oh, Todd loves the Steelers, right? Everything is Steelers, Steelers. At one time, he had a car that actually was the Steelers. I wanted to put Brown's things on it, but I never did it, I don't think, did I? But I thought about it. I really did. Uh, <laughs> at that time, probably not. So you're not going to like this illustration, Todd, but because I don't know anything about the Steelers and their coaches and everything, so I can't use that. But Vince Lombardi, when he had the, the Green Bay Packers, they were the Packers weren't good. And Vince Lombardi says, we got to get back to basics. And that's what Todd is leading us elders, back to the basics. We're looking at the mission statement. We're looking at how church should be laid out. And you pray for us, and you pray that God will give guidance and direction and help so that we can be the leaders. You know, these elders, of which I am one, thankfully, is... uh they love you. They pray for you. And they want to see what God has for O'Kill and see it come to pass for his glory and do his praise. Now, in here he talks about the role of these uh, uh, leaders. And he says it's to uh, equip it really means to set in place. It's like a bone that's broken and then put back in place and split it together so that it heals properly. So that is the idea of equip, to set in place, and not just set in any place, but set in a particular place, the place it should be, not in the place it should be, Okay. You want to be in the place that you should be. And so you can break this down a little bit. The leaders of Oak Hill want to help you find out where do I fit? Where do I fit in the body of Christ, in this body of Christ? I have a place. I have a place. But where is it that I fit? But there's another thing. Build me up so I can fit. You know, we need to go deeper with God. We need to grow in, in his understanding. We need to listen to him. We need to be ready to be obedient to him. And we're not going to do that unless we grow. We grow stronger. So our gymnasium is actually right here. And Pastor Dan is our our teacher that is building us up through the word of God expositionally. You know, he's been in Romans. I, he may be in Romans. We may go to glory before we ever get out of Romans. But that would be okay, wouldn't it? Would that be okay? So, but he, you know, they're helping to build me up so I can fit. Okay. But there's another thing too. They will, they're restoring me to health and function so I can fit. 
All these ideas are actually in the concept of this word. You know, the idea of putting in place, you know, if somebody is broken, they need to be put back together, right? If, if somebody is knocked down, they need to be picked up, right? They need that, that help. They need that restoration. And I'll give you a testimony. When Stacy and I came to Oak Hill, we were beaten up. We had been beaten up badly. At Oak Hill, this church, Pastor Dan, the leaders, and the people just surrounded us with their love and gave us space and gave us opportunity that through time we healed and were able then to fit in. That's some of the amazing things that Oak Church works because Oak Hill has leaders, but also Oak Hill has gifted workers, and that is you. You're the gifted workers. You you might have at first thought, if you just saw the title because you didn't know what was coming, you might have thought, who are those gifted people we have? I wonder, I wonder who it is. You know, who is it? It's you. You're the gifted people. You know, Paul uses this idea of a human analogy. He uses the body. He doesn't use bones. Um, I I took an anatomy physiology class, and and, uh, I had to learn all the bones of the body. That was the worst part of that course. There are um, 200, I think, 209 bones in the body. And they're all in certain places. You know, you, you don't just move the, bo- the bones around and put them in a different place. Not usually. Sometimes they do, but not too much. And then there's, but Paul doesn't use the bones. He talks about the ligaments. And I had no idea how many ligaments are in the body, but my wife Googled it. Even while I was preaching, she was Googling it. And she found out that there's like over 900 ligaments in the body. So that's a lot of ligaments. That's a lot of places where one attaches to one bone that attaches to another bone. And then if those ligaments don't get there and aren't there, you're not going to have the mobility. You're not going to have the ability to move. You're going to be in pain. You're going to, there's a whole host of things that happens if, you know, the body isn't together the way it should be. You know, Paul ends this. He says, after he talks about every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love, he says this statement. Now get this. As each part does its work. Now, I'm just going to do one little aside. The, the body is, the, the body of Christ is organic. You know my template, it's organic. So, the amazing thing about the body of Christ is that 
in a physical body, you want to be in this one place, stay in this one place, and never move from this one place. In the body of Christ, sometimes God wants to move you from one place to another in it, to do something different. Maybe to challenge your faith, okay? Or, or maybe it is that he's gifted you in a new way and he wants you to use it. Or maybe you've just grown in your maturity or you're listening to God more clearly and you're hearing more fully where he wants you to be. And you were doing this one thing, you were over here with the trustees, and he wants you to be over here with the teachers. Or vice versa, wherever. But the thing I want to point out, I said about the body, is you're gifted. And that's one thing that Paul mentions, that you're gifted. And do you realize... From the time you came out of the womb, now I'm talking the spiritual womb, not your physical womb, but when you came out of the spiritual womb and you became a Christian, guess what? You were gifted. You have at least one spiritual gift which God has given you. You're gifted. And you need to use those gifts. That God has given. Some are for teachers. Now, don't many of you become teachers. In the Bible, it says, let not many of you become teachers and so incur stricter judgment. So, you know, unless God is really urging you, that may be not. I do want to say, just to give you a story, though. In the church that I grew up in, there was a man named Larry Hammonds. He was... He be, he became an elder. He was very much. But his love was to teach five and six-year-old boys. And he didn't teach it one year or two years or three years or five years or ten years. He probably taught it over years. And he loved it. He knew that's where he fit. And maybe that's what God wants for you, to be in a long-term type of service for him. You know, there's a lot of spiritual gifts. There's a gift of service or helps. I think the body uh, has a whole bunch of people that have those gifts because you need a lot of help. You need a lot of service. You need people coming alongside, seeing something to do, and go ahead and doing it. And it's not just... It's not just, uh, well, somebody's got to do it. It's actually God's giftedness that gives you that urge that to do it. Or some people have that wonderful gift of encouragement. You know, some people just encourage your socks off, don't they? They just, for some reason, the way they do it, or, you know, some people, and I'm not this person, don't, have, don't expect a car for me that's going to be that great encouragement to you. But some people have the ability to choose cards with certain things and send it to you, and you're you're like a basket case. You know that it, it has affected you so much that you receive that. Some people have the gift of mercy. They just know how to come alongside. 
They're not ones who want to give all the answers. They just want to be one that stands with you. And sometimes that's what we need. There are some of those guys who have the gift of administration. They're making their charts and doing everything, and they, they know how to do that. I'm glad there are some people like that. That's not me. And there's giving. There's a lot of different people. So there's giftedness. There's giftedness like evangelism. Some people are really gifted in evangelism. And I think of Chuck Schaefer over there. That is a man who has the gift of evangelism. I think, Chuck, when you get to heaven, here's what it's going to be like. You're going to be walking down one of those streets of gold. And God's going to have lined up on both sides of that street while you're walking. Almost like a general when they retire. They have the soldiers all along the lines. Or a chief when he retires. They have the, the policemen along. There's going to be these people on both sides of that golden lane as you're walking along. And they're going to say, Chuck, you don't know it, but I got one of those crosses and I pray and receive Christ. I'm here because of you. Brother, you're gifted. You're gifted. Now, some of you might think of yourself, not so gifted. I love this PowerPoint business. I, I, I really love it because I can do crazy things, right? You may be a cotter pin. You know what a cotter pin is? How many people know what a cotter pin is? Raise your hand. Oh, man, there's a lot. Yeah, cotter pin. Let me give you a story about a cotter pin in my life, okay? We had a, an old mower, and it was working really good. And I was riding along, cutting the grass, and all of a sudden the wheel came off. One of the wheels came off. And I thought, what happened? You know what happened in that cotter pin that held that wheel on broke. And it didn't matter that my mower had a great engine and was running beautifully. It didn't matter that the, 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 the uh, deck was working fine and the blades were going. It didn't matter that I could shift that thing. Without that cotter pin, I wasn't going anywhere. I just want to say this, and I've used this example because I think sometimes we think we're like the cotterpin. Nobody knows about us. Nobody needs us. Who would? But you are vital to things moving forward. You're gifted. Here's my favorite one. Okay. A toe. And I chose this one for a reason. It, it's like my feet. I have these bunions and my toes are actually growing over each other. So this could be a picture of my foot. It's not, but it is. could be. But you may think of yourself like a toe. And you think, wow, what is, how, how am I important to the body of Christ? I'm just a toe. Have you ever stubbed your toe? Does all the body know that you stubbed your toe? Amen. amen. I see the first amen today. 
And if you break a toe, it's even worse, you know. You're going to be laid up for a while if you break your toe. But wait, wait a second. A toe, man, it's so far from anything that's really been seen, you know. I'm not even going to take off my shoes so you can see my feet or something. But, amen, yeah. (laughs) But those toes are very important. They're just as important as the other parts of the body. You know, I was thinking about another. You know what the smallest bone in the body is? Yeah, the stapes bone in the ear. But if you don't have that bone, or that bone isn't in set right, you can't hear. You cannot hear. I don't care how big or how small you think you are. You are gifted. You are a gifted worker of this body, and you are needed. I think of uh, Pastor's vision. We're a small church, and we want to stay a small church. We don't want to become like Victory. We don't want to become like Northbridge. We don't want to become like Grace. We want to be a small church. We want to grow. Yeah, because we want to do big things. But we want to stay a small church. We like a small church. We think there's advantages to being a small church. And so we're going to stay a small church, right? Because we want to be that. But we want to grow so we can do big things. And one of the big things we want to do is something beyond our church. Either for a struggling church, maybe a struggling wines church that's in e-development and needs help, or it's going to fold. Maybe God will use us there. Or maybe it'll be at Suncrest Camp. Or maybe it'll be somewhere else. But God has big things for us to do as a small church. Right? But one of the realities of a small church is that you don't have a whole lot of like a huge pool of workers. So we we need to find our places and work, okay? Find your place and work. And maybe it's a couple places. You may have to wear a couple hats in this to do this. But I want to move on. I, I'm sorry it was so small and I didn't get a chance this morning to make it bigger. But Oak Hill has supernatural power. Oops, I hit the wrong button. I'm not making this up. Did you like that? I got to do that again. I'm not making this up. The Bible says that. Do you know the word when it talks about here at the end? It says, you know, from him the whole body dealt together by every supporting ligament. The next word is grows is the word energized. Energized. It's only used of supernatural things. It's never used of natural things. It's not just generalized work. It is work that is divinely guided, directed, and empowered. Okay? And part of that is your gift. This is one of the ways that this body is energized with supernatural quality. And whatever your gift is, like my gift is prophecy and mercy, 
I got an advantage. I got a leg up on some other people who don't have that gift because God wants to flow down the channel His Holy Spirit's power in and through my life and pour it out through those gifts. Whatever gift He's given you or gifts He's given you, He wants to do supernatural things through them. Even the simplest things that don't look very supernatural are sometimes the most supernatural. You know, sometimes when I've been at my worst is when God has done his best. You never know. But I do know that these gifts are supernatural. So I want to leave you with two things. You know, as a pastor should never end a sermon this way on a positive note. But I have two warnings for you. Warning one. If the church ever becomes merely natural and not supernatural, it will cease to be the church of Jesus Christ. We're uh, God's holy nation. We're his royal priesthood. We're a people of his possession to display, to proclaim, to shine forth his glory. We better be supernatural. The second uh, warning I want to give you, you know, uh, Jesus didn't end with the Ephesian church here. He ended with the Ephesian church in Revelation chapter 2. And he said this. He didn't end positive. He ended negatively. He said, but I have this against you that you have left or forgotten your first love. So that's my second warning. Remember your first love. Remember your first love. If you don't love God and keep loving him and loving him more, you're not going to love the people the way you should. So we need to remember him. Keep our eyes on him. And then be able to see around us the things that he has for us to do. You know, we have a wonderful time now. We have communion today. And what did Jesus say? He said, do this in remembrance of me. So that's what we're going to do now.